Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. This is Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Fantastic to be with you. Uh, if you happen to miss our previous segment with Senator Mitt Romney, you can always uh, get that on our podcast that will go up later today. And uh, as always, you want to make sure you have access to everything all the time on KSL News Radio. Uh, you can do that by downloading the KSL News Radio app, sponsored by Any Hour Service. And as always, I want to know what's on your mind today. And you can do that on our Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Uh, my next guest is one of my favorite writers out of uh, Washington, D.C., Tim Carney. Uh, Tim is just one of those extraordinary thinkers out there. Uh, he is the commentary editor at the Washington Examiner and a visiting fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. And if you're looking for a book for someone for Christmas, uh, earlier this year, uh, Tim penned a, a great uh, book called Alienated America, Why Some Places Thrive While Others Collapse. It is a fantastic and interesting read. Uh, put that on your holiday shopping list. So, uh, Tim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. In your latest piece uh, that caught my eye the other day, uh, you're you're talking again about small town America, how it's you know really fighting for survival, and you described uh, an experience you had in Iowa where you you thought you were looking at a very fractured little town and and found that they were actually coming together in interesting ways. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I ended up in Fremont County, Iowa, which is the bottom left corner there, and I picked the county because the all the numbers showed that it was it was struggling more than the rest of Iowa. It, you know, whether you're talking about school closures, church closures, opioid uh, overdoses, and in all these ways, it was it was really uh, definitely struggling. But it uh, and in social social ways. So I showed up there, but somebody who used to live there and told me that they agreed that um, while the sort of economic numbers were fine, they said really socially it is collapsing. And they said, oh, there is a, a place I really like there. You should go there if you're going to talk to people. It's a bar called Imogene's Emerald Isle in a town called Imogene. Town is sort of an overstatement about Imogene. <laughs> It's 30 people. Wow. The one bartender at the Emerald Isle told me that it was 29 people. <laughs> that was um, the debate at the bar but, that night, right? <laughs> yes. But so I showed up there at 5 p.m. Um, uh, I'm a Catholic, and so I tried to go to the 5 p.m. Saturday Mass. was told, oh, no, it only happens every other weekend. So at this point, it's starting to look to me again like, the, you know, they don't have Masses often. It's dying. But um, the lady, Marianne Daly, said, let me give you a tour of the church. It was the most beautiful country church I have ever seen. You had marble from Italy uh, for the altar rails, for the baptismal font, for the altars. It was it was gorgeous. I, I've got pictures of it in the article at the at the Examiner. And um, when I showed up the next day, there were 125 people at mass, and then all of them went downstairs to the the sort of pancake and scrambled eggs breakfast afterwards. And that from the the area around Imogene. 
families were being drawn to this restaurant pub and to this Catholic church. And uh, when I asked them about all the problems in rural Iowa, they said, oh yeah, a lot of the other towns in Fremont, basically all the rest of them have it. But that little spot seemed to be immune. And my argument is, it's because of these institutions, the church and the, the pub and the restaurant, both provided the infrastructure that people need, the community that people mm-hmm. need to live good lives and raise families. Oh, I, I think that's just so fascinating uh, because you do. You look at a lot of these small towns and you do think they're just kind of withering away. Uh, and fascinating that in a, ta- a town of 29 or 30, <laughs> you were having 120 people uh, 125 people show up for mass is is interesting, but tell us tell us a little more. I want to drill down on these institutions because on one hand that sounds like a strange combination of your your Catholic church mm-hmm. and your St. Patrick's bar and restaurant uh, being the really the fabric that is keeping the community together. Why is that? Well, for for one thing. Um you start with start with the church, and it uh, it gives people in a reason to sort of come back. One couple I met there had grown up there, and um, or the the girl had grown up there at least, and she was going to get married in the church there at St. Patrick's. It's the same church she was baptized in, received her first communion in, and so she was bringing her um, uh, her fiance, who was not from that area. She said when it was time to start a family, what she thought was, well, this is the sort of place to start a family. We'll get a house. You know, I, I don't know whether they were into farming or not, but we're going we're gonna to set down roots here. And I always knew I was going to get married at St. Patrick's. And then at the Emerald Isle, one scene I saw there, this was mid-November, one local was uh, going off to his military deployment before Thanksgiving. Oh, so wow. the extended family organized the, the Thanksgiving dinner, and the, they had to do it in a hurry. So they called the Emerald Isle, the pub, and they said, hey, can you cook us up a Thanksgiving dinner? And it's, that's sort of a, an odd request to make of a restaurant, <laughs> but nobody there would bat an eye. Somebody got an extra shift, and they, they turned it out. Uh, what The first man I met there his uh, his wife had passed away of cancer a decade ago, and first of all, the the at the the church, at the bar is where he gets his his camaraderie. But the the other people at the bar, when they found out about it, happened in September, right before the harvest. So they made sure that he didn't have to do any work. Everybody chipped in on one day. Every combine from the surrounding area, from the parish, from the surrounding area guys came and they donated a day to harvesting all his crops for him wow. so that he could uh, deal with his children and his mourning. Uh, and of course, the the mass was at the church and his, uh, his, his uh, wife was buried on, on the hill right outside of town. And so just, and you look on the bricks, they, they got a new statue of St. Patrick outside the church. You look at the bricks in that area, um, in the little plaza where the statue is, and they were donated by people, often in the name of their their mm. late parents, and you just see the families running throughout it. That sense of continuity provided by these two things here um, makes people feel that they belong to something. Yeah. And what I argued in Alienated America that you and I talked about before, Boyd, yeah. is that that lack of belonging is so much what's, what's a problem outside of uh, the places where churches are strong. Yeah, man, if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking with uh, Tim Carney, uh, who is the commentary editor at the Washington Examiner and a visiting fellow at AEI. Uh, and this is just so fascinating to me. Uh, and you bring a, a really interesting point, Tim, 
And, you know, we usually talk about places that thrive and usually it's, you know, this free market economy humming along and then strong institutions of civil society. Uh, And what you're showing in this particular example uh, is that even if the economy isn't really thriving, even even if it's struggling, those institutions of civil society continue to bring people together. I wish you'd had a video of that. Uh, I would have loved to seen that army of combines going out because to me that is the essence of America. Yeah, no, and there is a picture, and everybody, it was one of these things, somebody started telling the story, and everybody at the bar sort of chipped in, it became a tag team story, it's, yeah. it's a, a local legend, and somebody said, you have to look at the picture of this, and nobody at the, at the bar could come up with a picture, but I'm, I'm hoping to go back there in July, and that's one of the things I want to do. I don't know whether somebody flew a drone overhead, or from a crop duster took a picture, but apparently there's a shot of this farm with uh, 12 combines and, and five pickup trucks, uh, I mean, five dump trucks outside, all doing, uh, all doing the harvest. It's really just this moment that didn't just lift up the, the, the man who was suffering and the, and the children who were suffering, but that the whole town just really feels, uh, feels this pride about it, to the point that when, when they were talking about it, they said, oh, it was a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And I looked it up, it was 12 years ago. Oh, and wow. the story still rings so strongly in their in their minds. Uh, I, I I love that because to me, you know, we can we can get pretty pessimistic about our our broken politics, uh, and politics is is broken to a degree, uh, but America is not, and it's because of stories like this where you say, look, no government agency mandated that you know all the members of the town go out and harvest this man's crop for him. Uh, no one was threatened with, you know, imprisonment or taxation or anything else. They do it because that's what Americans do better than anyone else. We've, we've got to remember that. No, and it's also, and one of the points I make in the, in the piece at the examiner is that it's not just a market thing. There's even this one guy who told me, he said, um, he heats his house partly with, um, uh, partly with wood. And I was thinking, wow, I don't think, you know, wood is much cheaper than, than natural gas or propane, but <laughs> right. he made it clear that he doesn't pay for his wood. I said, how's that? And he said, there's a, this copse of trees down at the end of the road. That actually belongs to the, the farmer whose house is on the top of the hill. And the farmer just made it perfectly clear, you you can pick up the wood. And then a couple of years later, this man, Terry, said he noticed how long the grass was and the you know uh the farmer uh for whatever reason wasn't able to cut it so terry just said i can i can mow it for you i think he didn't have a, the you know the the mowing hitch on for his combine he said i'll just mow it for you and then he did it again and again and i said oh so it's a barter he said no because it's not uh, it's not uh it's not a transaction it's a relationship it's a relationship i need wood he has it i take it he needs mowing I can do it. I do it. There, there is no ledger being kept. He said he was taking the wood for three years, um, and the, and uh, the guy never, the farmer never asked for anything. Uh, and so that's a big difference. Where where we we really see the virtue. Conservatives always talk about the virtue of markets maximizing wealth. But again, like sometimes uh, some people uh, elevate government uh, too high. I still think we sometimes think markets can do what they can't. What it is going to take is a, a love of your neighbor and a dedication to put in uh, what you can, regardless of whether you're going to get paid back in full uh, in some way. Fantastic. Tim Carney, uh, thanks so much for joining us and really putting everything in perspective today. You can read that piece on the WashingtonExaminer.com. Uh, Small Town America Fights for Its Life. Don't miss it. That is worth a read today. Tim, thanks as always. Brilliant conversation. Uh, 
Thanks for having me, boys. All right, we'll be right back going to the bottom of the hour news break. You're listening to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Stay with us. More to come. 1130 at Utah's news station. I'm Heather Kelly. KSL's top local story this hour. Senator Mitt Romney wants to take on drug cartels with the tools the government already has. He and several other senators introduced a bill today categorizing them as terrorist organizations. And those procedures and and uh, and strictures.